Board colleagues, questions or comments? Why don't we start over here? Nothing. Ms. Talento. Yeah. Um, I had a question regarding the section on discipline in the mm -hmm. policy. I believe it's in the second paragraph. Uh, so it says anyone to have found anyone found to have engaged in illegal, unauthorized, or unethical practices related to this policy will be such a disciplinary action. Um, I am asked a lot of students do not understand criminal activity on digital devices. They don't understand that if you sell something using the internet um, and you're not supposed to be selling it or you know whatever an exchange they don't they don't recognize that that is the same thing as having a person to person interaction. Are we going to uh, in our digital citizenship curriculum, are we going to be very specific, like saying, hey, if you um, put your Adderall on this list, that is distribution, and that is criminally persecuted. Are they gonna understand that uh, if they do anything on the computer, that is not their property? So if they consent to a, if they don't consent to a search, that doesn't mean that this is their computer. I mean, are we going to, because I, I want us to get that specific, because uh, a lot of students do not understand that. Um, even uh, with issues like uh, sexting and so forth at the secondary level. So I would ask that, I guess my question is, is are we gonna do that? And if not, please do that. And then my second question that ties into this, how often is the digi digital citizenship curriculum under uh, I think it's personal safety going to be done. Is it annually? Is it just when they receive it? Is it gonna be part of the family and life education? So the answer to your first question is yes. Um, that is part of the digital citizenship curriculum and it falls under several key elements. Some have to do with privacy, right? And that you really have no privacy when things are on the internet. And then we get into the property piece and the content piece and what you're posting and that that is part of and there's a line in the policy about that um, where it is something that APS always has access to right so that's one piece that our students need to completely understand um, our digital citizenship curriculum actually is a k-12 curriculum that is taught throughout the course of the school year um, by various staff depending on the grade level and things and it shifts um, in terms of grade level appropriateness, we um, have some specifics on that. We already have a table that shows all of the different lessons and things. We're doing some updates. Um, as we say, it's constantly changing and we're every six months finding something that says, oh, this really needs to be added into that digital citizenship curriculum. So we are constantly updating it. Um, but it is an ongoing piece throughout the course of the year. Sorry, I just wanted to actually add one more thing. Under the leadership of the Administrative Services Department, the Discipline Handbook is actually being looked at and then it's being expanded. Dr. Janet Allen, she's leading that conversation with the principals and counselors and a lot of uh, people, representatives of uh, across the board actually, and she's talking about that. And one of the component is electronic devices and then the things that are actually happening on them as well. Just wanted you to be aware of that one. Ms. Van Dorn. Thank you. Um, I, I think one thing that we're trying to do 
for families is connect their concerns with our policies and the ability to get clear for them where the information is going to be. So on page seven, you listed a, on slide seven, you list a series of considerations and where they will reside. I guess um, what I would, I think a lot of the complaints or questions that we hear are on this page, mm -hmm. but they're not in that policy. And I think people were hoping we would be addressing it in the policy. So I guess I would love to know, uh, Dr. Natchez or Dr. Murphy, some time frames for this, mm -hmm. because these are questions that constantly come to us. We hear consistently that keyboarding is not consistently done across the community. That's been going on since my children were in elementary school. And it, it just depends on which elementary school you're in and which teacher you have. So these are things that while I understand we're sort of cascading from the general policy down, mm -hmm. each year that that didn't happen as another child, that that didn't work, that that implementation didn't work. So if that's when you say it's in the curriculum documents and I'm a parent, where do I go? So for me, I need to know when the rest of this is going to get done and how specific it's going to be and where it's going to be. So if a parent comes to us and says, first of all, parents should just know where the stuff mm -hmm. is and it should be really easy to figure out. And then if they ask us, what is it, we should be able to tell them. And given that these are in a multi multitude of places and the policy is very general, it doesn't answer the questions that we're being asked. So. What, when can we expect to see the rest of this sort of enumerated or put into detail so that we can then, I know that you'll probably have a plan to get that out to all the parents. When can we expect that to happen? So I can add dates and bring it back to you in two weeks. Uh, the dates for each of these we already have. Some have been completed, some we know. I will say most of them are an August 20. 18 date, I had to think of the year, um, August 2018 date, but I can add it to the table and we can bring it back when we bring it for action just so that people can see it. And then um, we will, I won't be able to necessarily link in here because not everything is live and linkable yet, but we will make sure that um, from the digital learning page that we currently have on our department page, all of this can link from there. We can even embed the table and put links in or something so I can talk to the team about how to do that. And will there be an engagement process to this? Because uh, what I was looking for were things like people ask, how much time should my child be on a device at home? That's what those spring parent meetings are. Will be and that engagement. will be feedback like, so they can mm -hmm. actually have input into it? back and forth it. questions. So we but I'm, what I'm asking is a back and forth in terms of what they think it should be and you think it should be and conversation as opposed to just saying this is what we think. Is there going to be input? Process. So, yes, those will be a mix of both. What our vision is is that we have an expert coming in to say, here's what the latest research says, here's um, what we've noted about this particular area, and then providing questions and answers and opportunities for parents to share their feedback and also have someone to ask questions of, right? Because I think a big piece of this is the, so we're not really sure how to do X, Y, or Z, or we do really think that this is something we need to be doing and engaging in that dialogue. So those spring parent meetings are really intended to do just and that. And that's next spring, not this that's spring. That's this spring. I've got a couple of folks booked. We're trying to finalize dates, and then we'll start putting information out. 
So we're going okay, to try to add it to our right. <laughs> calendar just, of this events. Is, I think this is one of the hardest times. <laughs> as soon as you get to May, it gets really difficult. So Agreed. I just warn you about that. that and we can go into the fall. I mean, I think it's an right. ongoing. And well, it's we going to be iterative, I hope. Yep, but exactly. this is you. this hits on a lot of the questions that mm -hmm. we're getting. And these are the things that vex parents. And we really need mm -hmm. to be giving them some guidance and working with them on that. Um, so. You know, thank you for, for doing that. But I think people were hoping that we would have the answers in the policy and we need to put the pieces underneath it and then it will reside, all of this information will reside easily somewhere for people to find. Yes. And yes. consistently communicated to the parent community, the kids and the staff. So yes. Consistency. Yes. Yes. Excellent. And I mean, we, some of these things, some are in the policy, but knowing exactly what you said, we wanted to make sure that people knew it's still out there and we're still working on it and we'll make sure we share all right, all I'm that. just going to drill down on one thing. When we say it's, let's take keyboarding mm -hmm. and we say it's an instruction and it's in curriculum and one school's doing it and another school's not, what, is that going to be addressed, the consistency? Yes. Yeah, I mean, part of our curriculum documents will show in the keyboarding instruction we're looking at for the spring of second grade and fall of third grade, that that will be in actually the English language arts curriculum so that when students are publishing a piece on narrative writing, part of that piece is to learn how to then publish that piece with a keyboard and you're learning keyboarding at the same time. So it also isn't a separate um, mm -hmm. skill. So that will be one of the ELA units um, that teachers will be teaching in the spring of second grade, and our teachers all follow those curriculum documents. Thank you. Ms. O'Grady. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, as, we, as we move forward in our conversations, one of the things that I think I'm keenly aware of is that we have parents in our community who are in different places on technology for, for their students, depending upon the age or depending upon um, what they feel their family needs and their individual child may need. When we have these conversations, will we be talking about um, what would uh, the possibility be of families opting out? Um, and maybe also talking with teachers about what that might mean in their curriculum, um, in their own classrooms, um, and as so we can explore uh, how we can balance parental concerns with our ability to be able to deliver instruction in a way that works for everyone. So as I think we know, this is one of those issues that people go across the spectrum on, right? Some are, I do not want my child to have technology until they are X age. Others, students and children have been on technology from a very young age, and there's everything in between, right? So we have this broad continuum of um, how families really look at technology usage. And it's going to continue to evolve because it's so new for all of us. And so as we think about this policy and our work moving forward, it really is about what are the needs instructionally for students as we're using um, various digital tools within the classroom. The challenging part of an opt-out policy or an opt-out option is a lot of the conversation that we've had around devices in general. So much content, so much collaboration, so many projects for students are on those devices, not to the degree, right? I think there is some perception that students are on them from the moment they walk in the classroom until they leave, which is not the case. But if everyone is working on a project and they're all using a Google Doc to do it, and one student has opted out, what does that then look like instructionally? And can that collaboration really continue in a way? And what is the impact then 
on that student for the collaboration piece and what then can the teacher provide as an alternative without completely disrupting that instruction or that unit depending on the project. And so it is really hard to think about creating an opt-out when some of the core content is involved in that. So we don't currently have an opt-out option in this policy and we're not sure that that's something that we would be able to do completely. Um, we have worked with some families if there's an element of technology like a certain app or a certain thing that um, is not part of the core content that we can say, oh, there's a really easy alternative for that. Your child can do X instead. And that's part of the personalized learning piece, right? Some kids want flashcards and others want to use an app for fluency. And that's easy to discern. Others, it is more challenging to do that. So a blanket opt-out is not really an option when we look at the core content that we're delivering. Okay, thank you very much. Um, uh, questions have already been asked on the themes that I was going to ask about as well. So, um, you know, when we use the term acceptable use, I I'm under the impression that at least the policies we've had in place are referring to, you know, acceptable things like not bullying and, you know, what, what, um, what society considers unacceptable. But, you know, the acceptable is also you know, what do parents and um, what, do we, what do we believe is acceptable in terms of screen time and, um, you know, uh, access, uh, uh, too much time potentially spent on technology. So, um, and again, I know you had that chart there and you showed uh, the concerns you've heard about things like screen time, you know, how much time will a kindergartner have access to their devices um, or two devices? Um, will they get to take them home, things like that? It does say in that chart that those might appear in the PIP. Do you actually expect the PIP then to have, you know, for example, a section that says, you know, K1, so many minutes, two, three, four, whatever. Um, do, you, do you expect that level of detail in the PIP? Everything that we have evaluated with all of those policies that I showed you from COSIN and the um, recommended ones do not get to that level of detail. What we currently have in the draft of the PIP, because that same team um, has been working through the draft, we'll finalize it once we approve the policy so we know the key sections and we haven't spent a lot of time on the details with that, but there's, an, there's a section in the PIP that is not in the policy that's called instructional use. And that section gets into some of those other details that um, people are asking about. So things like devices will be used for authentic learning experiences. Um, they will not be used for recreation or entertainment during the day. Um, they will not be used at recess or lunch. So those are some of the key things that we're putting into the PIP because they're more implementation pieces um, than what would be in the policy. We are still working with the team who was drafting the policy to talk about the minutes piece and thinking about, um, we have seen some examples from Montgomery County where they put out some guidelines around um, some of the pieces of recommended maximum time or when students should be taking breaks and you know store the device on a desk, not in your lap. Those kinds of implementation things that we are looking at um, to put into the PIP, yes. And um, I, I don't have the policy in front of me, but does that, is that instructional use piece, uh, she might be able to just answer it. So you're talking about that potentially being in the PIP, you haven't decided, 
you're saying right it's in the draft of the pip now yep it is with with minutes though not with minutes no no, no. i right. read you some just of the those yeah the, the recess and, okay correct. so i correct trying to like keep track of a lot of things um <laughs> so a lot to this. so let's yeah not the minutes yet but i want to get back to that so um that instructional use piece though you're saying it's in the pip is there there's a place in the policy that refers to it right there is the not a always, section in the Okay. So it is the one section that lives in the PIP that does not live in the policy. There's an at educational there's, purpose but, but, section. So when you look at the policy, and I can purpose. send you a copy, okay. there's educational purpose. A subset of that in the PIP is the instructional use. So each of the sections, you're exactly right, they parallel each other, right? So the policy is there. The PIP is much more specific. Yeah. And there's a subset to that within the PIP. Right. And, and the reason I'm asking is that you know, as I'm often reminding our, ourselves, our board, you know, the policy is, should be providing the overall principles that the PIP mm -hmm. follows. And so if there is anything that we as a board, for example, believe should be in, should be happening, and would, even though it sits in the PIP, our policy should provide the kind of guidance that causes that outcome, to be in to, the pip. to appear in sure. the pip right yep. so for example if we believe and i'm not don't know where my colleagues are on this but if we believe that we should be you know having guidance on how many minutes you know different grades would have access to their devices then we in this policy would want to have something that <coughs> that then leads to the providing that guidance and I, I, I think I'm hearing that you would not recommend that approach. We did not see it in any of the policies that we reviewed, um, nor in any of the implementation components that we've reviewed in terms of policy. So all I would ask is that if we wanted to do that, that the research and things that has been done by that drafting team that we look at as a board as well, because I think we need to be, one of the things we're really aware of with this policy is how quickly things change. And that especially when we think about time limits um, in schools, we want to do the right thing. We want to have the balance, all the things we've talked about, students outside, students is balancing when students are on a device and we're using it really intentionally. When we start putting times on something, it becomes, okay, we have to stop because we've hit our 90-minute limit or whatever it is for that grade level, and I'm not sure that that's what we want to set in terms of what we do with instruction. Yeah, so we do so. have that precedent because I think the homework policy, for example, still has minutes in it. So the homework policy does have a minimum number of minutes in it or a maximum number. And I whether it's actually really thing, adhered to is perhaps another question. But um, So, I, I mean, I guess I have to say just as, as you know, um, one board member, and I'm, we're going to have to discuss this maybe. Um, I, often when we approve a policy, we see the PIP at the same time, and we know what's, how it's all fitting together. I know we want to get this done and, and move this along and have things happen, but I think I feel like if the PIP is going to be ready in August, that I would rather see the whole package at the same time, know what our policy is then leading to in terms of, unless, I mean, is there a reason that that would put you behind in some way if? 
we can share the draft of the PIP now. I mean, the draft of the PIP, the PIP just doesn't go in board docs, but we have a draft of it if you want to see how the one leads into the other and the okay. different specifications, because we have drafted it. And okay. we did put it out when we did the community survey. The community and ACI gave feedback on both the policy and the PIP. So we've been looking at both throughout the process. They're simply not in the board docs tonight because we don't put the PIP in board docs, but if you would like to see it, okay. we have it. And it's yeah. on the Engage page and every place else, so it's available. Okay, yeah, that would be great. And, um, and you know, I, 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 I heard you on the um, not having an opt-out, and, you know, I understand that we're going a direction, and we kind of have to have everyone kind of going that direction. Um, however, um, our one speaker did mention the term low-tech option, and mm -hmm. I think maybe that would be something that we could, um, I would like us to think about having some way, again, I, when we've heard from um, families, they've talked about wanting their kids wanting to do things on paper. And with personalized learning, if that's your best approach, you know, we want to have that as an option. So I'd really like to talk a little bit more about how we can have that. I understand we can't have different materials for every student, but it. And that is one of the things we're doing. If a student, for example, needs to take an assessment on paper instead of the iPad, we are providing that. It's a matter of, is this core content and how readily can we make those different shifts? So I got you. Okay. We'll, we'll, yeah. So more to do. Um, I appreciate the, appreciate where we are and, um, and there is more to do. And it looks like we may have another round of questions coming. So, sure. yeah. but uh, we will get the pip to you. I don't know if we need to change just the to, tape. Just to clarify. On the tape. Okay, just Jane. a clarifying question really quickly. You, you said that too. the PIP doesn't reside on board docs, but the PIPs do reside on board docs, so I'm confused by that. The draft. This the actual draft for the meeting tonight in board docs, the PIP is not on there. The PIP is on the engagement. Got it. That's but, what I was referring to, okay. not the just general Just because I'm, ultimately stuff. I right. want to see everything yes. in one place so parents there. know what Absolutely. to look for. That's And, yeah. that, and there they are. I just meant for the meeting tonight, no, not in general. I was clarifying for Thank people for who clarifying. are watching is the PIPs are <laughs> yeah. on our board That's pages. That's exactly right. Oh, it looked like there were going to be more questions, but I think, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. Yeah? Okay. okay. Thank so you we'll very talk much. more and we'll get the PIP to you so that you can see the parallelism. Fantastic. That would be great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for staying out late with us. And we are now at new business. Board colleagues, do you have any new business? And hearing none, we are adjourned. <laughs>